Revelation chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, and thou livest, and art dead. Be watchful, and strengthen the things which remain, that are ready to die. For I have not found the works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received, and heard, and hold fast, and repent, if therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches. Gracious heavenly father, we thank you once again for all you've done. I pray God, Lord, that you would empty me of myself. Any thoughts that would hinder this message and God give me the the ability to preach and to speak only what you have desired for this man to preach this morning. I pray, God, that Jesus Christ would be high and lifted up. And I do pray, Father, if be one in this room who doesn't know Jesus Christ, that you would bring that person to yourself today. I pray for the saint in this room who is struggling, sleeping spiritually, that they would wake out of their slumber and realize the urgency of the hour to live for you and not themselves. God, speak through us and do a great work in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I heard a story of a pastor who Sunday morning got up in the pulpit. And at the end of his service, he said, our church is dead. And if you come back tonight, I will show you exactly why our church is dead. So you know what? That piqued the interest of some folks. Folks that usually didn't come on Sunday night showed up that night. <laughs> because at the beginning of the service in the evening, the pastor had a coffin right down there. And he had every church member come in and file through it and see what was the problem that the pastor believed in the church. And when they opened the coffin, they looked inside and they saw a mirror and they saw themselves. Really, the problems that we have in life are not outside. They're inside. We see the problem and the problem is us. See, this church that we're talking about named Sardis it was an actual church, but it represents so many churches in America today that are struggling to stay alive and have the tendency to want to die. And isn't that the nature of anything that begins? It wants to die. Try to grow something in your yard. 
Oh, you'll grow, you won't grow flowers, you'll grow weeds. Before long, that which you want is beautiful will die and the weeds will remain. And such as so many things in life, that which we once enjoyed and hold, held beautiful, they tend to want to die. The message this morning is called the autopsy of a dead church. Let me give you a few past information, past information about this church in this city. It was one of the oldest cities in Asia Minor until, nine, eight, until 549 B.C. The capital of this city was Lydia. It stood on the northern slope of a mountain called Mount Tamas and stood about 1,500 feet above the valley floor. The Acropolis, which, which was on top of the mountain, was, was gorgeous and beautiful. At the base of this city was the river Practorius, which served as a moat, rendering the city almost practically impregnable. The city was one of the richest cities in the area, the capital, the Lydian kingdom. Gold was taken from this river, and it was said the first gold and silver coins were minted in Sardis. Sardis was also the center of woolen wool production and claimed to be the first city to dye wool. You may have heard of some of the people from this city. There was a man by the name of King Croesus. The phrase in those days was to hope someday to be as rich as King Croesus. You may have heard of Aesop. I have Aesop fables at home. I don't know if you do as well. Aesop is said to come from this, this place. He wrote a book of stories with a typical moral message in them. Melito was the first Christian apologist. He wrote a defense of Christian doctrine. So that's a little bit of the past of this city. But what is the prognosis of this city this morning? Well, the prognosis is we see the examination. You see, the Bible says that seven spirit, the seven, we see the seven spirits of God. Seven meaning the number of perfection. Spirits of God meaning the Holy Spirit. The seven stars, these stars, these lights, these messengers, which have a message to this church. And the message that they have to this church was a message of warning, saying that you, church, are struggling being dead. Like a mausoleum, which looks good on the outside, beautiful maybe, but inside is full of, of death. Isaiah 29, 13, wherefore the Lord said, for as much as this people draw near to me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart from me and their fear towards me is taught by the precept of men. Jesus said to the Pharisees and scribes in Matthew 23, 27, ye Pharisees, scribes, hypocrites, for you're like unto whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful out, outside, outward but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Paul talked about this in 2 Timothy 3, 5, about a group of people who had a form of godliness, but denied the power thereof. He spoke of their death and their deeds being imperfect or incomplete, immature. One of the very characteristics of God himself is that he finishes what he starts. Aren't you glad he does? He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. What he starts in creation, he will fulfill to the very end. He's a God of purpose, progress, and completion. 
We read in Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he hath begun a good work in you, will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. But the church of Sardis, there were people, programs, there was a purpose statement. The problem was they lost their passion. Have you ever lost your passion for something? You started so well. But after a time of doing something over and over and over and over and over again, somehow, somewhere, in the midst of doing it, it became mundane. You become lethargic. You became apathetic. And now you're ho-hum, ho-hum. I must go. I must go. But I really don't want to. I really don't want to. I was told recently by a dear saint of God that they remembered a time in their church where the altars used to be filled with people coming down and confessing their sin and praying for their relatives and their loved ones. They cried and they begged God for change. I've noticed lately in this church our altars have been dry. Our altars have been dry. And I'm wondering what's going on in our own hearts. What's going on in our own lives? You say, Pastor Marty, you're saying Gospel Baptist Church is dying? No, I'm not saying it's dying. But just like the church in Sardis, it can. If we forget who saved us. If we quit doing what he asks us to do, evangelizing the lost, glorifying God, and edifying the saints, if we continue just to show up, just because we know it, we must show up. We don't take this responsibility and opportunity to praise God. It doesn't mean anything to us anymore. We're just here because we know we're supposed to be here. But we come in Sunday after Sunday and hear message after message and we go out those back doors unchanged, unchanged, unchanged. Does it bother you? Does it bother you? Do you feel deadness within your soul? Do you long for more? Do you want to see folks saved and baptized in this church? Do you want to see growth in your own life, in the life of people that are sitting around you? When's the last time you begged God for five minutes for that to happen in this church? When's the last time you spent 10 minutes praying for your pastor? When's the last time you prayed for real revival in America? Instead of saying, ah, oh, it's over. Brothers and sisters in Christ, do you yearn for something more? More. Oh, the problem of the church of Sardis, though they had great things, riches and stuff, they had a deadness that came into their church which caused it ultimately to die. And if not by the grace of God and Him using us, here as members and light of Gospel Baptist Church, that same thing will happen here. And there'll be a day people will drive by this place and they'll look out and say, 
They used to talk about Jesus there. They used to have a club on Wednesday nights called Awana and they would bring kids in on a bus and they would talk about Jesus and they would have games and I would see them out there. I, 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 every once in a while, November, they would have an activity and I would come and somebody would preach about Jesus. and I used to be involved in that. But those days have gone. They've closed her up. Or she ain't what she used to be anymore. The average church in America is dying and its deeds are incomplete. And that is why America is in the state of decay. Why in the world did that happen last week that we saw? Pagans act like pagans, folks. That's how they act. But the reason we're seeing what's happening in the society is not just because of them. It's because of us. It's us. If we don't humble ourselves and pray and seek his name, Repent of our sins and change. How can we expect society to be different? For we as a church follow after the world. And as they go, don't we go too many times? We've seen their past. We see the prognosis. What is the prescription? You see, in every church, people are either spiritually dead, the unsaved, the spiritually dying, the saved folks, but they act so carnal, nobody can tell the difference. Or there's a spiritual dependable. Those who stay faithful through every season of life. And he says to them in this passage, he gives them a prescription. Number one, to be vigilant. To be vigilant. He says in verse two, be watchful. Be watchful. You see this King Croatius, which I mentioned to you, he was rich. But he didn't have a whole lot of common sense. He did something very unwise. He provoked Cyrus, the king of Persia, and actually tried to attack him. Now, that was a bad thing to do because he thought, I'll go ahead and attack this army, one of the greatest armies in the civilized world, and nothing will happen. When he attacked him, he escaped back to his impregnable fortress 1,500 feet above the valley. He escaped there and said, well, nothing's going to happen. I'll be safe here. Everything is going to be fine. All will be well. They'll never come here, capture this city. I'm so far up. This fortress is so great. It's so, so wonderful. Nothing will have ever happen. Everything will be fine. The problem was he didn't watch. And the story goes that one day, one of the soldiers from the king of Lydian, they were on top of this Acropolis, and one of their helmets had fallen down. But one of the soldiers from the Persian army saw it. And they saw this Lydian soldier come down and make his way down a small pathway to the bottom to get his helmet and go back up. And the soldier from the, from the Persian army saw it and was able at night to go up and scale the city. A city that could have been defended by a child. But because the city was not watchful, the soldiers went to sleep. The king was in bed when they woke up the city was going to be attacked and ultimately destroyed because they did not watch. What is happening in the Church of America? We've, we've gone to sleep. We've been inoculated with the truth. We've heard the gospel. We've heard good preaching. We've heard good teaching. We've heard some sermons, revivals. We've had all type of activities. 
in the midst of all this activity, we go to sleep. We go to sleep. The Bible says in Romans 13, 11, and that, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake out of our sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than we, when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. He says, be vigilant. Secondly, he says, be vigorous. Strengthen the things which remain. Strengthen the things which remain, the things that, the things that, are, that are good. Strengthen those things. In every church, there may be a dependable dozen or a faithful five or a fruitful four. Some of you come from churches that used to be good, that used to preach the gospel, that used to be on fire for God. I encourage you, when you go back to your place, whether it be in the north or wherever it may be, that you stay faithful to God and do what's right. Maybe you're in a workplace right now and it said, it's, it's horror here, it's terrible here, it's, it's rough here, it's, it's, it's discouraging here. Be faithful in that place of darkness. Maybe you're in a home right now where it's hard, it's difficult. You're living in a place of paganism in your own home. Do right till the stars fall. Choose, no matter what anybody else does around you, family, friends, choose to do that which is right. Strengthen those things which remain. Have times of Bible study. Have regular fellowship with one another. Evangelize the lost, even if nobody else will. Encourage the saints, even if no one else will. If no one else in your society, no one else in your home, no one else in your group, no one else in your family will choose to do right, you choose to do right. Wife, if your husband chooses to do wrong, you do right. Kids, if your parents choose to do wrong, you do right. Husband, man, if everybody else in your family rebels, you choose to do right. Do right, do right, do right. Ridicule, laughed at, choose to do right. Be vigilant, be vigorous, be victorious. Remember, what thou hast received and heard, death happens when the spirit is separated from the body. The church that has forgotten what made them alive, the Spirit of God. Job 33, 4, the Spirit of God hath made me and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. We've forgotten our salvation. Ephesians 2, 1, you hath he quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. John 14, 6, 6 Jesus said to them, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. We've forgotten the Spirit of God, our salvation from God. We've forgotten the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Luke 4, 4, and Jesus answered him saying, It is written that, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Oh, that this book would matter to us. Oh, that this book would matter to us. Be vigilant. Be vigorous. Be victorious, be virtuous. He says to these folks, this church in Sardis, Jesus himself, repent. When you're going down the wrong road and you recognize it, go the other way. Go the other way. Go the other way. This morning, some of you are struggling with sin. And you're excusing it. 
You're looking at other people and saying, well, they do it. Or it's okay with their family. Or ah, nobody cares. And those are all lies from hell, by the way. Instead of excusing it, say, it's wrong. I'm going the other way. Repent. Repentance is a change of mind, a change of direction. Go the other way. Confess it. Don't stay the status quo. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He ends with this promise. This promise that we see here in verse 5. Excuse me, verse 4. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments and shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He gives this caution. He says, hey, Hey, if you don't watch, if you don't wake up, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't recognize the condition you're in spiritually, I'm going to come as a thief in the night and I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to take out your candle, your candles, your influence, your opportunity. We have such a great opportunity to influence boys and girls and men and women with the gospel of Christ here at this church. Sad would be the day if we ever lost it. Sad would be the day if this place no longer preached the, preached the gospel. Folks no longer went out door to door. Folks no longer picked people up on the bus. People no longer came to a Christian school. People no longer got ice cream. You can laugh <laughs> with the invitation to come to Sunday school. Oh, sad would be that day. He cautions them and he encourages them. He says in verse five, there are some of you that are clothed in white. See, even in the midst of a church that's asleep and struggling, there's some here that are clothed in white. They're doing right. They're living white living right, they're living clean, they're trying to do, the, by the grace of God, do the right thing. They're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. White means purity and holiness. And he tells them to continue. Continue doing that which was right. Revelation 20 and verse 12, and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. The register had a roll of all the names of the city and death and delinquency would cause a person's name to be taken off the roll. I'm glad today that my name is in the book of life. No matter my past deeds. Oh, if you looked at my 11th grade yearbook, you would see a whole lot of bad. Whole lot of bad. A lot worse than Judge Kavanaugh. Trust me on that. Whole lot of bad. But I stand not before a judge of men. I stand before the judge of all the earth who died for me, shed his blood for me, and has said, you are forgiven. And someday he will welcome me into his abode forever and ever and ever. Praise God for that. Are you looking forward to that day? Are you looking forward to that day where he says to you, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Oh, dear friend, he will confess you before the Father and before his angels. 
Jesus said in Matthew 10, 32, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before him, men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. That's why it's so important that we not just show up on Sunday and be in church on Sunday morning. But Christian, because Christianity is more than just showing up on a Sunday morning. It's living for Jesus tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. And by the grace of God, when you go home here in about 25 minutes and supper is cooked, you act like a Christian around the table instead of squabbling over the chicken leg. And tonight you come back and hear some good preaching and you share the gospel with someone who's struggling and hurting tomorrow morning at work. Or encourage someone on social media tomorrow to live for God and not themselves. He ends by saying, Revelation 3, 6, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Vance Habner, the great evangelist, said that every organization goes through four stages. First, there's a man or men. Then there's a movement. Then there's a machine. And then there's a monument. All is left is a monument of what used to happen at that place. God forbid the Gospel Baptist Church and Christian school would someday be just a monument. July 2nd, 1855, President Garfield was shot by a man by the name of Charles Gutenay. But it really wasn't the bullets, the two bullets that killed him. One hit his shoulder, one went into his pancreas. The man that took care of him was the chief surgeon, chief doctor. His name was Dr. Willard Bliss. And after a while, Dr. Bliss would not let anybody even look at President Garfield. There was a man by the name of Alexander Graham Bell. You may have heard of that name. Telephone. He invented a machine that could detect the bullet. But Dr. Bliss would not let him check the left side of his body, he only let him check the right side of his body. That was a problem because the bullet was on the left side of his body. And then there was a man by the name of Joseph Lister. You ever heard of Listerine? Some of you used it this morning. Joseph Lister said, there's something called germs. And if you doctors would wash your hands and wash your utensils before you worked on President Garfield, he would probably live a lot longer. He probably wouldn't struggle with infection. But Dr. Bliss wouldn't listen to Alexander Graham Bell, and he wouldn't listen to Joseph Lister. And for 11 weeks, 80 days, President Garfield struggled between life and death and ultimately died of infection because Dr. Bliss would not listen. A reporter got hold of it, and the headlines in the newspaper was, Ignorance is Bliss. That's a sad tale. But what's sadder is someone sitting in this room today with the opportunity to recognize that your sins can be forgiven. 
that Jesus Christ died on that old rugged cross and shed his blood so that you could have everlasting life. He paid for your sins already. The Bible said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The most horrible thing is for you to be here, sinner, and Jesus to be calling to you, the Spirit to be wooing you, the Father to be drawing you, and you say no to Him. For there is a death worse than any physical death. It is the spiritual death. There is a real place called hell. That if you don't know Jesus Christ, that is where you will spend all eternity, my friend. And I beg you here today, if you know that you know that you know deep down in your soul that you don't know Jesus, when we have a hymn of invitation, that you would come. Brother Barrows will be here. Brother Ludwig will be here. And they'd love to take you to a room. A lady will be here. She'll take you to a room. And from this scripture, they can tell you today how you can be saved from hell. Some of you saints in this room, you've been sleeping too long. You've been playing games with God too long. Awake out of your slumber. Awake out of your sleep. There are souls that are dying beside you, around you, everywhere. The greatest reality in the world today is that people are dying and going to hell today. Do you care? Do you care? Or would you have them die and live in a Christless eternity forever? Oh God, oh God. Please God, change us. Help us to see what you'd have us to see. May we not live just for the temporal, but for eternal. Father, there's some souls in here that are dying without you. They're on, they're on the very verge of hell. They don't know you. Father, save them today. Help them to see your son today, high and lifted up. Oh, there's some saints in this room. They've given up. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida, also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.